0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts.
1: I'm still kind of worked up. Uh, Dave Simons is coming up here, but I'm still kind of worked up about the the journalism, the so-called journalism piece that I read here at the end of the last hour. Just tweeted that out for people who want to um, read the vomit-inducing dribble. But I want to kind of point this out from a modern-day perspective of how they get this so wrong and why you can't trust the mainstream media. There's no better example right now than what happened with the college board and Ron DeSantis because they get involved, they see things that parents are upset about in this advanced placement class from the college board for high school students, and they start thinking, wait, this is not going to meet our standards because it's not just history, African-American history. We're not talking about lynchings and the Tulsa race riot and things like that. We're actually focusing. Well, let's let Ron DeSantis kind of talk about what they're focusing in on. And he offered this example. We have guidelines and standards in Florida. Uh, we want education, not indoctrination. This
0: course on black history. What are one of, what's one of the lessons about queer theory? Now, who would say that an important part of
1: black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. So I'm sure that the the lefties out there are going to interpret that as, oh, he's just a bigot. He does not like gay people or queer people. But the point. And I think most smart people understand the point that that has no place in a high school advanced placement class. You want to teach about queer theory in college where, you know, you're sucking off the taxpayers or you're getting, you know, private education. That's fine. That's fine. But in in high schools, I don't think so. But you'd think you would think that what DeSantis is doing, based on the hyperbole that's out there in the pundit world, um, the elite media class, that he's shutting down all education of anything that related to blacks that ever happened in this country. That That's, listen, you don't believe me. Governor Sanders has been very, very clear. He has what just appears to be a white nationalist agenda. He's basically sacrificing the education of a whole generation of people. He's trying to. For, for, the, for his ambition. It's never been about this course. The governor was very clear. African-American studies doesn't have educational value. What's going on in Florida
0: now is maybe a peek into a horrifying future. He's now tampering
1: with college education in various colleges, specifically starting with one in Florida. Yeah, well, some of this is focusing on colleges as well, and it should. And here's another reminder about journalism and maybe things we should have known decades ago, because Dan Rather, that idiot, tweeted out this morning, the DeSantis playbook on race and education is just an updated edition of what I saw Saw in the south in the 1960s that is so utterly dishonest ridiculous embarrassing dan rather i mean you've embarrassed yourself so many times but the the issue is is that most people will see dan rather and they won't get another perspective something that i offered up glenn lowry is a brilliant member of academia there there are still some of those out there that who is african-american and offers an amazing alternative to the white supremacy nonsense that you only hear amongst the left, the anti-racism, right? Glenn Lowry does this on a regular basis. So would you think it would be appropriate because you're telling the truth, right? That's what this guy from Arizona State was trying to argue in the last hour. You're telling the truth. Wouldn't the truth be the perspective of a very important American economist at Brown University that has all kinds of accolades? that is willing to push back on the the narrative that's out there, the standard narrative, because he has very legitimate positions that, that should be amplified. But he's never quoted in any of these articles about what happened in Memphis nope. or anything. It's just, you know, Sue, you're a fan of Thomas Sowell. Uh-huh. There, there, are, there are different perspectives to all of these issues that we talk about, but you, you don't hear them because the editors, the young woke reporters— They omit the information. This is why I don't think there's any better. It is criminal. There's no better example than what happened to Kyle Rittenhouse because the country was shocked. The, The CNN viewers were shocked, I say, that Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty by that jury in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Those of us who paid attention from the very moment that he shot those guys knew that he would not be convicted. We knew that because there wasn't a case. It was so obvious. All you had to do was watch the video. All you had to do was put the pieces together. But the legacy media refused to do that. They didn't show that on CBS. They didn't show it on CNN. They didn't write about it in the New York Times. They wrote about how he was a white supremacist who, who came up from Illinois, who just wanted to cause trouble, right? Shouldn't have been there in the first place. And then the whole country is shocked because journalism didn't do its flippin' job. Unbelievable. All yep. Right. Sorry, I got worked up on this stuff. I'll have to dial it down. Will Sharp is coming up with, um, well, he used to work in the Greitens administration. He is a new Republican candidate for attorney general. That's a very short window because Andrew Bailey, who was on the show last week, is the current AG appointed by Governor Parson because Eric Schmidt is now in Washington. So this is kind of like a, a bit of a you know, complicated political situation, but Will's going to join us in just a few minutes. Uh, I believe the market might have been up a little bit today, which is good news. This all relates to what's happening in the economy, inflation, the debt ceiling. Dave Simons is with us, the host of the Dollars and Cents show over on KMOX down the hall, certified financial planner, senior vice president of investments at UBS Financial Services. David, how are you this afternoon? I'm well. Thanks, Mark. I usually touch base when things are are pretty bad, of course, on Wall Street. I don't think today has been super bad. In fact, did I see the NASDAQ had a pretty good day?
0: Yeah, you know, this is all related to Fed Chairman Jay Powell and what the Fed did yesterday, raising rates just a quarter of 1%, what we call 25 basis points. And, Mark, that was baked in. I mean, there was no surprise there. I guess the surprise that I have is what you just alluded to, and that is the really positive rebound, particularly in the high-growth NASDAQ area. It it was almost like maybe they were expecting Powell to be more draconian, in a way, in his rhetoric, and and maybe to hear that he still was going to raise rates to kingdom come, and we didn't get that. And, And nothing that really Powell said surprised me, but maybe there was a lot... More trepidation going in, and and so we're getting this relief
1: rally. So, c- can you make the case, or I suppose, can some people make the case that this is working right now when it comes to keeping inflation lower?
0: Mark, you just hit on a really interesting point, and it's a conversation that I've been having with a lot of people lately. the 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 general consensus, one of the most overwhelming consensus points that I've ever seen in my career, is the fact that well, we're going to go into a recession it's inevitable, all the historical data points in that direction. Yeah, maybe. In fact, I've been on the bandwagon to say perhaps a mild recession. But what if we don't? What if somehow the history books look back and say, wow, somehow Powell and company pulled this off, and they were able to slowly and incrementally rate, not so slowly, actually, uh, pretty aggressively in 2022, but got, got rates up quickly, choked off inflation, Post-pandemic, we were able to kind of slide into an economic slowdown, but just right where we didn't kill the economy and the markets re- responded favorably. That is not out of the realm of possibility.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it isn't because you're seeing the year-to-year numbers are, are somewhat encouraging right now when it comes to inflation, right?
0: So I I just put together some stats. I went back to 1950. Now, this is really interesting. I'm such a stat nerd here. But since 1950, so we're talking obviously over 70 years, 31 times the stock market was positive in both what's called the Santa Claus rally, which is always the week between Christmas and the first two days of the new year. So you're talking usually about seven or eight trading days. When you've had a market that's positive in the Santa Claus rally and positive for the first full month of January, 28 out of 30 times, the market ended up positive for the year and the average gain is 21%. And Mark, the only two times that the market was down, it was only down single digits. So I know that doesn't guarantee 100% will be up and up you know, double digits. But history is very kind to when the market gets off to a big start like this.
1: That's—I I don't think I've ever heard the Santa Claus rally enough. I had—I don't remember, um, you know, you talking about. It, but that's interesting.
0: Yeah, the Santa Claus rally doesn't get a lot of attention, but it's something that, uh, again, nerd geeky people like me pay attention to because historically the Santa Claus rally can really start things off on a, on a good footing for the new year. Um, And, you know, not bad out of 73 years, it's, it's been up 31 times. So a little less than 50%, but when the, then when you combine it for the full January, that's up, man, oh man, do you set the stage typically for a good rally? So it gets back to what you were saying, Mark, maybe somehow Jay Powell Will look like somewhat of a genius. I, I'm not going that far yet but it's something that I'm willing to at least say is a possibility
1: Interesting. Dave Simons, host of the Dollars and Cents show on KMWAC, certified financial planner and senior vice president of investments at UBS financial services. Help me with this one because this one, I saw this in the New York times site earlier today, Dave, and it makes my brain hurt. And I'm hoping that you can explain it to me. This is what it says. Um, The debt limit standoff between Republicans and Democrats has elevated questions about creative solutions for averting a crisis, including one that at first blush might seem unthinkable. Thinkable? Could minting a $1 trillion platinum coin make the whole problem go away? The next line is, what was once a fringe idea is now being presented to top economic policymakers as a serious remedy. What? Have you heard that? Do you know that background?
0: Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, Mark, that's been suggested, gosh, for for decades. It wasn't, you know, it started out as a billion dollar coin and then a hundred billion and now it's a trillion because, you know, the the deficit keeps getting bigger and it's basically just the idea that we would have this open ended cash reserve that we could always go to but d- dismiss it it's not going to fly it will never happen uh, but it's something that gets the clickbait going.
1: Why, why would it even, th- this is where I'm struggling because I'm not very smart. Why would that potentially, for the people who think it's a good idea, what, what's the argument in favor of it? Because I don't understand how well, that would avoid you know, still spiking inflation. You're just creating more money, right? You're just printing it in the form of a coin, or what am I missing?
0: No, no, you're not missing anything, and, that, and that's the issue. It, it goes back to something else, Mark, that was discussed that's somewhat related here, and that is, look, when interest rates were back down next to zero, why don't we just issue 100-year bonds for the government? Why do these 5-year, 10-year, 30-year, let the government lock in uh, paying interest on bonds for like a half of 1% or 1% for 100 years? and. And that seems somewhat plausible. Other countries have done 50 years, but it, it, it just wasn't going to make sense longer term. This one is really pie in the sky. Just to dumb it down, Mark, basically all it does is it's creating an open ended bank for the Fed to be able to tap because it's got this trillion dollar coin and you would create more of them. It's just, It's not just one. It's almost like saying. Why do we even have pennies anymore? I mean, it might have made sense 50 years ago. Heck, we don't even use nickels. Why why don't we have now established the $10,000 bill? Which they you know, stopped many years ago. It's the same thing with this. Why why don't we have a trillion dollar coin? You and I would have no use for it, but the Fed would well I don't know though. Fred Fred so
1: Fred came up with a good idea, Dave. He's a thinking I, I was gonna steal this, but I have to give credit where credit is due because if I had one of those, I'd put it in a vending machine, see if I can get the change back, you know? <laughs> Man, I tell you, Fred is a genius. Get him yes. on the air. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so on the debt ceiling, though, what what are your anticipations? There? Look, I'm someone who philosophically believes that government spends way too much money, and that's part of the problem, and it's been that way. No and look, question. I'm willing to share the blame between Republicans and Democrats. The fact of the matter is now the Democrats are in control. So we have this fight. You and I, I'm sure, have talked about the debt ceiling. We're not going to default. I mean, I think we should come to terms with that. But why is it unrealistic to have some negotiation? when it comes to, you know, less spending. It's
0: not. It's not unrealistic. Here's what I've been telling people on this issue. In 2023, to me, there are only two important issues that will drive the market. Number one, we've just been talking about it, inflation and the Fed's attempt to bring it under control. Okay. The second is this thing on the debt ceiling. Because we have gone to the 11th hour before That was back in 2011 when they started shutting down a lot of government programs and national parks, and the market actually fell 19%. Oh, my gosh, are we going to default? You may recall back then S&P actually downgraded our debt from AAA, first and only time that's ever happened. Well, will that happen again? Because if it does, this whole notion that we might be in a bull market for stocks will be gone. This market will go back into bear market territory. You cannot mess with the full faith and credit of the US government and and the ability that we have to finance our operations. We are the safe haven of the world, absolutely. Foreign investors come to us. If they see us as nothing more than kind of a third world country again, and we lose our status, we are in big trouble. Now, that's not my base case. We're not gonna do that. But we could see it go over the edge a little bit because you do have a – not to get too political here, I'll let you do this. But <laughs> there, there, there is a small group of Republicans who are willing to let this thing fall off a cliff. That They've said it. They've said, I don't care if, if we default, if that's what it takes. Now, are there enough of those people? Will they be talked to to maybe bring them in or rein them in? I think so. But I don't think I don't know that this will be settled before we get to the 11th hour again. So we're watching it carefully.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think my my response there would be, look, this pattern is pretty clear. We get all this, um, you know, doom and gloom. I guess I would use this example. This president voted against raising the debt ceiling. Right. So some people take their stands on this issue, but we don't default.
0: Right. Well, absolutely. And 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 keeping on the political side of things like this, the Democrats, they know what they're doing here because they know how this thing will be spun to the very end if the Republicans take us right to the very end of this before negotiations get serious and we start closing national parks and and people aren't getting paid and, and then all the fear mongering will start and the market will start to settle back down and S&P will start rattling the saber again how they might have to Downgrade our debt, well, guess who's going to get blamed it's not the Democrats, and they know it, and they 'll just sit back and say, "Yeah, the Republicans, we know that there's an election uh, in 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 a year and a half or so at what will be at that time, and we 're going to let them take the blame on that. They are in ultimately some control here, and they're going to have to have the Republicans come to them more than the other side. I I wish it wasn't that way, but that's just the political reality of it.
1: Let me, before I let you go, let me just ask one question, going back to Jay Powell and the Fed and what your expectations might be, because as I was kind of chatting here, I pulled up a piece where there is at least one group out there predicting, look, they say maybe there's going to be more, you know, incremental rate hikes, but maybe by the end of the year, they start cutting rates again. You think that's a possibility at this point?
0: Yeah, that's another great point because that's baked into what the market is expecting. I'm going to take Jay Powell at his word yesterday, um, and that is he would rather err on the site of raising rates too much because he feels they can quickly cut rates if they have to as opposed to stopping now. So here's my base case, although, man, I don't have a lot of confidence in this because there are so many moving parts. But my base case right now is he will. They will likely raise rates maybe one more time in March, another quarter of a percent or so, then they'll stop. At this point, I don't think they'll start cutting rates by the end of the year. They will at some point. I'm pushing that to 2024. I think the market will be okay with that. And outside of any major issue regarding this whole debt limit ceiling debate, Outside of any problems there, I do expect the market to post positive gains for the year.
1: Let's hope so. Let's hope so, Dave Simons. Always great to have you on here on 97.1 FM Talk. I appreciate it. You have a great rest of your week and a great weekend as well.
0: Thanks, Mark. You do the same. Appreciate it.
1: I do like the optimism from Dave. We don't always get that. So we'll take it when we can. 524, Will Scharf, who is in the race for Attorney General of Missouri, is going to join us next. Back
0: Get more at 971talk.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time?